Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Grab a seat, grab a seat. Thank you so much, band, guys. So fun. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Grace Bible Church College Edition, College Service. Hey, if you have a Bible, jump over to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, if you have a Bible. Uh, there are Bibles on your tables. And just kind of a by way of announcement, if uh, you don't have a Bible, you snag one of those, you take that one home. And if you want a cuter one, Midway through the semester, there will be uh, Lost and Found here at Grace, and you'll get a, get a really nice one. It may have someone else's, else's name on it, but, um, but you can take it home uh, mid-semester. All right. John chapter 13. I'm going to read a little bit for us and dive in. So glad you guys are here this morning. John chapter 13, starting in verse 31, and then we'll jump over to John chapter 15, and you'll see the similarities. It'll be fun. All right. John chapter 13, starting in verse 31. Now, when Jesus had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man glorified. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, just a little while, I am with you. You will seek me. And just as the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now jump over to chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you for an opportunity to look at your word, to worship you through song, and to worship you through the study of your word. And I pray that as we open up this text, you would open up our hearts to connect with you, to know you. And I lift up this time to you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want you for a moment to think back to your high school days, your high school days. And I, and I want you to think back to a particular moment in high school, and that was the day that you got your yearbook, okay, which was a huge day, in, uh, especially as a senior walking through high school. And you gave it to all of your friends, and you had them sign and write little notes to you about it. And so that was like the only time you wrote in high school nowadays, right? So everything else was email. But, but in your yearbook, you pass it around, and you had people give you those immortal memorable statements of you. And they wrote fun things like this. Don't ever change. 
like, what does that mean? I hope I change. They're like, thank you for, for being a friend and being cutesy, heart, heart. You know, like there's something that they wrote there for you. And, and in many ways, it was the legacy you left, right? It was, it was the impact you made on those people during high school. It was, it was what you are known for, what you were remembered for during your time, maybe just in high school or maybe even longer if you had friends all the way from elementary that walked that long with you. And you're about, some of you freshmen in the room, anyone freshmen? Hey, okay. Some of you freshmen, you have about four years ahead of you. Some of you seniors in the room, yeah, don't have quite as long. Uh, you got a little bit. But I would just ask you the question, over these four to six years that college has taken you, what legacy do you want to leave? What impact do you want to make? If you had a college yearbook, which most people don't, but if you did, what would you want written about you? What, what are the things that you would want to be remembered by that you would want to be known for? And you say, Kevin, okay, but over four years, like what, what kind of impact could I make? Well, I'll tell you what. Jesus lived for three to three and a half years in the public spotlight. And in those three to three and a half years, he made a dramatic impact. He shattered every paradigm, broke every mold, and literally revolutionized the world. Of his teaching, his opponents agree that he possessed earth-shaping wisdom. Even those who don't call themselves Christian, would never call themselves a Christian, are a fan of his content. And, but however, when you look at the most significant people, the people that have made the biggest impact, you would say this, not merely did they have great ideas, but they cut awake so clear and so deep that people seeing their lives couldn't help but join in. I, I, I love personally wakeboarding. You ever been wakeboarding? Fans? I'm not any good at it. Uh, but when I started wakeboarding for the first time, I went out with some friends of mine on the lake. And you, if you've ever started wakeboarding, trying to learn the process, all the people on the boat have all the wisdom, right? And they can't extend that wisdom to you. They shout completely unhelpful things like this. Don't fight the boat. So you're sitting there in the water, you're, you're kind of squatted down, your, your waves are hitting you, you're swallowing lake water, which is all very exciting. And they're like, don't fight the boat. And I'm like, I'm about to fight you if you don't be quiet, right? Or they say something like this, just let the rope pull you up. All right, and so I'm trying this. And so they, they, I don't fight the boat. I'm trying to stabilize myself. I get pulled up and I get drugged, you know, face across the water, okay? So that's my experience wakeboarding. It's like, hey, just don't fight the boat. Just don't fight it. I'm like, okay, people. I'm trying to let the rope pull me up, but it just pulls me over and I'm skiing on my face for 20 or 30 feet. Like, this is not going well. But as you look at that, I think there's some wisdom in what they are saying. Because the truth is this, there's an art to riding the wake. There's an art to positioning your body and positioning yourself so that literally the boat pulls you up and you can ride on top of the surface of the water and enjoy the wake the boat creates. There is an art to learning how to ride the wake. There's a way the boat is going and a way to position yourself to enjoy it. And I tell you, what I love most about wakeboarding is literally when you're skiing across the surface of the water, whatever you call wake, waking across the surface of the water, whatever it is, it's free, it's fun, and you get to enjoy life in that moment. That's why I love it. And I'll tell you what, there's a wake that Jesus is cutting in the world. There's a way that he is going. There's a place that he is headed. And I tell you what, if you position yourself correctly, you get to enjoy what, what life is all about. 
And the greatest thing that Jesus says in this text is this, that I want you to love one another. If there's a way that I'm going, if there's a wake that I'm cutting, it's this, that you would love one another. There's a mark that will distinguish you from the rest of the world, and it's the way that you love. There's something that you will do that will cause the rest of the world to stop and stare. There's a distinguishing characteristic that God wants his people to have that we must embrace and embody. And in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, look, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And he's saying this, love experienced should be love extended. When you experience this kind of love with me, you should turn and extend that kind of love to others. See, love changes everything. Now, as soon as I say that, you go, okay, love changes everything, Kevin. Come on, let's, let's be honest. Because we've all seen that lots of people embrace the idea of love. In fact, I read this week, even Vladimir Putin loves the idea of love. And in one moment with the Russian Geographical Society, Putin said this, the meaning of our whole life and existence is love. Putin told his audience at the 15th Congress of the Russian Geographical Society, it is love for family, for children, for the motherland. This multifaceted phenomenon, it lies at the heart of any of our behaviors. And I read that and I'm like, okay, even Putin believes that love is central to our existence. Maybe love isn't that revolutionary. Maybe love isn't that new. But what he's missing in his statement is this. His love has limits. You see the three concentric circles? Love for family, love for children, love for the motherland. Like he has concentric circles in which you can give love. But I'll tell you what, the love that Jesus is talking about is experienced beyond those limits. It extends in limitless love to others. There's a source of love that we find and a stream in which that love flows out. That love breaks through boundaries. And the love begins literally with God himself. There's a source. Love must first be experienced. And at the beginning of chapter 13, verse 31 through 32, he has a, what reads like a convoluted statement on the glory of God, right? And in that moment, you see Jesus referencing the Trinity. God in eternity past existed as Father, Son, and Spirit in relationship. And he says this, that God is glorifying himself, and I am going to glorify God, and we are going to glorify one another. It'll be a glorification party, right? And you go, what does he even mean by that? Well, what Jesus is saying is this, at the foundation of creation is a loving community. And if, the, if creation didn't begin with a loving community, power would be more prominent than love. In the Muslim faith, for example, God is not foundationally a God of love. He's a God of power. But in the Christian belief, the Trinity from beginning worked together as a loving community and from that community overflowed life. Tim Keller in his book, Reason for God, says it this way. If there's no God, then everything in and about us is the product of blind, impersonal forces. The experience of love may feel significant, But evolutionary naturalists tell us that it is merely a biochemical state in the brain. But what if there is a God? Does love fare any better? 
Well, it depends on who God is. But if God is unipersonal, if it's one person of God, then until God created other beings, there was no love. Since love is something that one person has for another. This means that a unipersonal God, that a unipersonal God was power, sovereignty, and greatness from all eternity, but, but not love. Love then is not the essence of God, nor is it at the heart of the universe. Power is primary. However, if God is triune, then loving relationships are, is at the, in the community are the great fountain at the center of reality. See, if God existed in eternity past in a trinity, then we see that the foundation of life is love. The foundation of all existence is one person of the Trinity loving one another. And if you were to look at the Trinity and how they interact with one another, what does Jesus say about the Father? He says, I only do what the Father is doing. I only say what the Father is saying. And what does the Father say about the Son? Hey, you got to listen. Shut your mouth, Peter. Listen to what he's saying, right? And what does Jesus say about the Spirit? Hey, it's better that I'm going to leave so that he can come. It's better for you if I jet because then the spirit lands here. See, at the foundation of creation is a loving community of God. And then part of that that trinity broke down and arrived in humanity. The trinity, a person of it came down in the person of Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, all you can say is that man truly loved people. I mean, look at who flocked to him, right? Right? tax collectors and sinners, which, which doesn't speak all that. The, the, the categories are hard for us to grasp, but, but what that means is people that were on the outside were brought on the inside. People that never wanted to, to hear God or know God were, were suddenly brought in. There was, there was something about Jesus that was so dynamic that people couldn't help but come in. You see, there's a source of love that we need to experience. And when you experience that, it then becomes something that you enjoy and something that you spread. There's a source and then there's a stream. We are supposed to extend love without limits. We are supposed to extend love without limits. Now I say that, extend love without limits? What what do you mean, Kevin? Well, here's what I mean. I mean this, that in our world, this is very hard because almost everything that we engage with in life has limits. There's limits on food, right? You realize you experience this with your roommates all the time. Like, why did you drink all my milk? I hate you, right? So you experience limits on food. There's limits on money, right? Your college students, you're head-to-head with this limit, right? There's limits on NCAA championships. There's limits on hours of the day. Some of you, your first week of school, you're realizing there's limits on your intellectual capacity, right? You've experienced the limits, right? And we see that in every area of life, there's, there's limits that we face. Even if you look back, we've seen that there's limits on love for some of us. So you've seen those high school relationships that were budding and beautiful, but that love ended, right? Once they hit college, and that ended quickly. Some of you in college, you've experienced the, the breakup of your parents. You watched, they watched you go, and, and then that loving relationship ended, We've seen friendships fall apart. We've even watched celebrity breakups, right? We've watched Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez no longer united together. And if, if Justin and Selena can't make it, <laughs> is there any way that we can hope to love? But the simple answer is, is yes. 
We can. Because I'll tell you what, the picture that we have for love is so much bigger than that. The picture that we have for love is so much greater than that. And when you're connected to a limitless God who is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, you can then be fueled to love beyond limits. And I tell you what, Jesus gives us three compelling reasons for why we can love without limits in John chapter 15. He gives us three compelling reasons. And the first is this, that he gives us a picture of limitless love. In verse 12, he says, look, you, you watched me love without limits, right? You've watched my life. You, you, you've seen me love without limits. In verse 12, he says it this way. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You watched me love, and then you, secondly, you watched me give. He says this, greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And see, intuitively, we know this, that, that the greatest love of all is the love of self-sacrifice, and we would, we would all agree that the greatest love is one of sacrifice. And so years ago, you are unfamiliar with the reference, but that's okay. Uh, they made a movie called Titanic, right? And it was awesome back in the day. And, and, but there was the epic moment at the end of the movie where literally Jack lays down his life for the sake of the girl, right? And so, you no, know, you get on the boat, you float, and I'll drown in the you know, wet, cold mess in the wherever that was, Atlantic something. So, and he died, right? And so the guy giving his life for the girl, that's huge. More recently, uh, there was the story of a dog sacrificing his life for like a little kid, like a little kid in the house. So literally the, the house is burning down and a dog runs over, lays himself over a baby, burns himself. I know it's tragic, right? But saves the baby's life. And you're like, I want that dog, right? You know, it's amazing. It's beautiful, and intuitively, we all agree with this. Like, love that sacrifices, that's, that's a beautiful picture of love. And, and I tell you what, even evolutionary biologists would agree that, that this is a good thing. If you sacrifice your life for the sake of the propagation of your species, that's good. But I tell you what evolution doesn't explain. The love that shatters paradigms, the love that transcends boundaries, is love that goes beyond my community that lays down his life for the sake of others. The love that Jesus is talking about, the picture that he is painting, is not dying for those who love you, but laying down your life for even those who hate you. So a year ago, there was a news story that, that shattered the world with its implications. There was a white man who went into North Carolina, a church there in North Carolina, and he shot up a black church. Nine people died in the process. And it was a horrific tragedy. I mean, it was, it, was, it was horrible. The event was tragic. But the response was epic. Because the newscasters are following the story. They're saying, how is this church going to respond with this tragic moment right in their midst? And if you watch the news story, it happened about a year ago, member after member of that church and victim family after victim family in that community went to the hearing of the man who had shot their family members and their loved ones. You know what they asked for? They didn't ask for his death. They said over and over and over again, we pray that you would come know the Jesus who died for you. We pray that you would know him who transcends all barriers and all boundaries. We pray that you would know him. And one year later, this summer, 
they had a, a memorial for, for those victims of that event. And the Reverend Dr. Jernari Keith of St. James AMC Church in um, McLeanville, South Carolina, led the invocation and asked God to have mercy on the shooter, Dylan Roof. See, that's love that breaks down barriers. That's love that transcends. That's love that the world stops and stares in shock when they see love like that. And see, that's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be people that love beyond barriers, that love with limitless love. Why? We have a picture of a dying Savior. You remember Jesus on the cross? He's being nailed to the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In fact, Romans 5, 5, 6 through 8 says this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10. For if, for while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by his death, much more, now we will be reconciled and saved by his life. You see, it's love like that that defeats all dissenters. You know the issue that people have with the church? They don't see love like that. See, it's love like that that breaks all barriers. And everyone that sees that love, they go, oh my gosh, that's incredible. That community, those people, that's amazing. But not only do we have a picture of perfect love, we are positioned to love without limits. You see what he calls them in verse 15? He says, I don't call you a slave anymore, but I call you a friend. I don't call you a slave, but I call you a friend. And friend is totally different than slave. Slave does it because you have to. Friend does it because you want to. And Jesus says, I don't want you to love like this because you have to. I want you to love like this because you're my friend. You were my enemy, but now you're my friend. I've got four little kids, Peyton, Micah, Jesse, Juliet, girl, boy, boy, girl. Right? Four beautiful, amazing little kids, six to nine months. And at this point in their life, they're, they're learning uh, what bad guys are. Right? So we literally watched the movie Zootopia, if you're fans of movies Zootopia. And uh, they were a little terrified of those creepy, I don't, they look like rabies infected monsters. Right? So they were a little freaked out. Right? And so they have swords and capes because all little kids need swords and capes. And, and so we were watching the movie, and they're freaking out. And so they've kind of learned what, a little bit of what bad guys are. And so they ask me, Daddy, are there really bad guys in the world? And what do you do, right? Like, I've got to prepare the child for, you know, their nature's victim. You know, they're like four-year-olds, right? And so I'm like, I'm like kids, there's lots of evil people. All... No, I don't tell them like that. But I'm like, I'm like hey, hey, Daddy loves you. Daddy's going to protect you. But there are some, some people that would, lo- would want to do harm to people out there in the world. And that's, that's kind of tough. And they're like, okay, daddy, you're the bad guy. And they grab their swords and start stabbing me, right? And I'm like, okay, this went well. All right, so perfect. And, and so I ask him, I go, I, go, I go, kids, all right, <laughs> this is really fun. How do you beat a bad guy? And they go, kill him, right? And they start grabbing me with swords again. I'm like, okay, okay, who raised these children? Hillary. Um, but... <laughs> But, but they start stabbing, and I'm like, okay, what, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, that's one way to beat a bad guy. You can stab him. But I know you, there's a second way to beat a bad guy. And this has got their attention. They're like, 
okay, daddy, give us, give us the inside track. Explosions, like how would you beat them? And I'm like, I'm like, well, you can make them into a friend. They're like, what? They're as silent as you are right now. They're like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, yeah. One way is to kill them, but the other way is to change them. You can literally transform their heart with love. And I, I looked at it and they're just like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, you can. You can. And as they watched the movie Zootopia, what was so funny is you see uh, in the movie, there's all these people fighting for power and, and prestige. And then, and then you see this little bunny hop in and just love everyone so well. And you go like, huh. It seems like the Disney creators have picked up on this. It seems that love can break down barriers. It seems that genuine, heartfelt love can change people. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've seen it. I mean, there's so many times that when I've been in, in, in arguments with people, and the reason is because they view me as their enemy, but they don't see me loving them. They view me as the problem, but they don't see how much I care for them. You see, but if we move in this type of love as friends that are fully loved by Christ, we can move and fully love others freely because of what we've been given. If you know the source, you've experienced the source, you can extend that type of love. Jesus gives us a picture. He gives us a position. And lastly, he tells us that we're picked to love. He says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I picked you to love. Which is, which is interesting. Because so many times in college, what you're fighting for is to be picked. You apply for the major and hope you get picked for the major. You apply for an organization and hope the organization picks you or you cry because you weren't, right? You apply for the internship and you hope the internship picks you. You apply for the job and hope the job picks you. You apply for the date and you hope she says yes, right? I mean, so many things in your life, you're vying for positions, you're hoping to be picked. And I tell you what, Jesus says, look, look, I've loved you. I've picked you. I want you with me. I want you near me. You don't have to earn my favor. I already gave it for you. John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his life that whoever would believe in him could, could come freely to him. Whoever would come is picked. And I say that and you go, okay, yeah. But Kevin, if everyone's picked, then no one's really picked. I mean, if, if the love is free for everyone, then no one's really invited in. It, it seems like a, like, like, a, like a free car wash. Like, I don't really care about a free car wash. But if everyone's picked, it's not that big of a deal. And I'll tell you what, the invite that Jesus has, although it is freely for anyone who would respond, it doesn't mean you're not invited. I went to a wedding recently, which was a beautiful wedding. Uh, as a friend of mine um, named Lucas Aubrey, and he married a beautiful girl named Michelle. So fun. They're like epically urban cool folks. You know, you just look at them, you're like, you're just cool, you know? And so their wedding was stinking cool. Um, and so it's there, it's outside, it's beautiful, and it's raining. And anyone in that type of moment would go like, oh my gosh, it's, it's raining, that ruins the wedding. But somehow it made it more beautiful. And you're like, of course, for you. You know, you're epically cool. And this has made it even better. And, and you watch them and she had a beautiful rose, this huge bouquet, which was bigger than her, you know, her little body. And she's walking down the aisle, rain coming down. And you see the, <laughs> the look in his eyes. He's just like, yes, this is beautiful. 
And the whole moment was absolutely beautiful. And I was sitting there, and, and what was so cool, because it was raining, only a few people had umbrellas, right? Because the rest of us weren't planners, right? So they, they pull it open, and we all scoot in together, and you see all of us celebrating this union of love. And then I thought back to my wedding. I thought back to the moment when, when we had to go through the guest list, and we had to pick the bridesmaids and groomsmen, and and position all those different people to be in this moment to celebrate this union of love. And I thought about that moment. And I thought about the people in the room. And I remember standing at the front of the room at my wedding going, I'm so glad these people are here. I'm so thankful that they all made it. And you know what would have been terrible? For any of those people in the room to feel like they weren't wanted. I mean, there's certain people that stand on stage. That's, that's part of the deal. There's a guy that's going to have a mic that's going to perform the ceremony. There's someone that's going to play music. There's people that are going to be in the crowd. But, but if you think that they weren't wanted, then they would have missed the heart of the groom. I remember at, at the party afterward, I just went and gave everyone like huge, gigantic hugs. I'm so glad you're here. And if anyone wasn't there, it hurt. Not because they, they hated me, but I, just, I, I wanted them there. I want them to be in the mix. You know what Jesus calls himself? The bridegroom. In Matthew chapter 22, he says, look, look it's like the father is, is inviting us into a relationship with him. He calls himself literally the groom. And he goes through a story, and he, a, a parable to explain the heart of the father and the invitation in. And it says there's three, three or four responses. There's some people that reject the king. There's some people that reject the son. And there's some people that respond with open hands. And the ones that rejected, God says, oh man, I guess I'm just going to cut this party. He says, no, go find more. Go to the highways, go to the hedges, anyone out there, go invite them in because I want them to come in and celebrate this moment. I want everyone to see what this love experienced and extended can be. And I tell you what, the only limit on God's love is the one we create. So you can receive the free gift of God's love or you can choose to reject it. It's available for every one of us. And so if you feel like you're on the outside of the party, let me tell you this, you're invited in. You're invited in into a loving relationship with the God of the universe. He's the fountain of love and it flows into us. You can know him and walk with him. And if you do, your next response is to extend that earth-changing love. And there's two places I want to point you to extend that love. Two locations I want to, I want to point you to. And the first one is this. Um, with all of our leadership team here at Grace, there is one phrase I want them to own and embrace, and it's this, to always be inviting. Always be inviting. You, I hope, will get invited to 30 things by the time you have arrived here and have exited here because we want you to know you are welcome here. So we have several opportunities for you to be invited into. One invite is going to be this. Your table hosts are hosting a party and they're inviting you to it. Why? Because they want you to experience the relationship of love that they've experienced. And the second piece is this. Always be inviting and secondly, always be serving. Always be serving. We have tons of opportunities here at Grace Bible Church for you to pour out the love that's been poured into you. So there's some with our youth, there's some with our children, 
and there's some with us. We have a, literally a serve team. We've got folks in the back that would love to help you, but I'll tell you what, well, if you serve with us, here's, here's what I would love for you to embody and embrace. The heart that extends this life-changing love. We will literally have a connect team. We've had several folks um, in the back of the room with cool shirts on that are inviting students into this place and helping them find a home here at Grace. If that's something that you would like to join in on, I strongly encourage you, get with our connect team, ask one of those red shirt people where to connect, and they will point you to the direction to go. And we would love for you to join us and help people be invited in and changed in this earth-shaping love that gets extended. And what would the world look like if we embraced this? You ever wonder that? Like, if we actually embraced this, what would the world look like? If you're a sports fan, would Yankees give a hug to a, I don't know, Boston Red Sox guy? Would that happen? Could it be that Aggies would even be able to love Longhorns? I don't know. I don't know. Kevin, all barriers? Okay, I don't know. I tell you what, when you're part of that community and you experience the love of Christ, I tell you what, it blows all barriers and moves through all boundaries. I pray that you know him. I pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I pray that we could be people that experience the love of Christ and extend the love of Christ. That we would be people that know you and love you and extend that love to everyone we come across. And Lord, I know there's some opportunities that folks can jump in on here with us. I pray that you would make it clear to them where they can be a part of our community that receives the love of Christ and extends it to the community around them. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.